uh, Bible lesson for tonight. And uh, after that, we'll go to the Lord in the season of prayer. And of course, if you think of any prayer requests that you may have forgotten to mention as we're going through the lesson, uh, just jot them down and then we'll take just a moment at the end of the lesson to get any prayer requests you may have forgotten. And then we'll have a season of prayer. So last week we started looking at the boarding of the ark. And of course I told you last week, I said we're only going to do part of this lesson because there's just so much here. I don't want to uh, shortchange it. I want to make sure that we get everything here. And so we just looked at the first point there. We looked at, uh, and Brother Hot Rod, I'll probably go through these pretty quick at the first part. Uh, but we looked at mankind boarding the ark, Noah and his family. And we saw how that they were the people that boarded. And when we looked at that, we saw three things concerning Noah and his family boarding the ark. We looked at what qualified them to board. And, of course, what qualified them was that they believed God. They had faith in God. They trusted God. And that's what qualified them. That's what gave them salvation in the same way that we find salvation today. Then we looked at why did they need to board. And of course, we made application to judgment is coming. And we've seen how there were many that didn't board because they didn't believe in the judgment, but Noah and his family did believe. Then we looked at when they boarded. And of course, we just looked at some times and dates according to when they would have got on the boat. We looked at uh, uh, Noah, the seven days of preparation, uh, loading the the things on the ark, the, getting the animals on the ark, and then we seen that they boarded the ark the day that the flood started. And we made application how that God always is there on time. He always provides what we need when we need it. And so if we looked at uh, mankind, but now we're going to move on and look at the second thing on your worksheet there. And you see I filled those in for you in case you weren't here uh, last week. But we'll look at the second thing on our worksheet concerning boarding the ark, and that is the loading of the animal kinds. The loading of the animal kinds. Now everybody knows that the passengers on the ark was Noah and two kinds of every animal. You could ask any kid that's been coming to Sunday school for any length of time and they'll probably be able to tell you that it was Noah and his family and two kinds of every animal and seven of the clean ones. I mean, we all know that's what was on the ark. But there's some things I want us to look at concerning the number of the animals on the ark, and we'll kind of combine the two subpoints there, the number of animals on the ark and the variety of animals on the ark. We're going to combine those two points, kind of look at them together, and I really don't know if we're going to get much further than that in our lesson tonight, but uh, there's a lot to consider here. And so let's pray, and then we'll get into the lesson. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to come to your house and, Lord, meet together with your people. And, Lord, I thank you for those that have came out. I thank you, dear Lord, for those who are watching online. And, Father, I thank you that you give us that technology and that ability that, Lord, uh, even if we're unable to be here in person, that, Lord, we can worship together. And, Father, we thank you for that. I pray, dear Lord, that you will bless in the lesson this evening. I pray, dear Lord, as we look at these, uh, some facts, Lord, concerning the animals on the ark. Uh, Father, we know that these things are not necessarily recorded in detail in your word, but, Father, because of the amount of skeptics and questions that are risen, Father, I thank, that you, thank you that you have given us resources, that, Lord, we can research these things, and, Lord, that we can provide an answer Oh, Lord, to those who may doubt and question your word. And, Father, we thank you for it. I pray you be at the children's service downstairs. I pray you be at Pastor Kent as he is teaching the teens, be at Brother Aiden as he is teaching the children. And, Lord, I pray that you will just bless and be with them. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Bless in the service, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
and amen. So we look here at the animal kinds and we're going to look at the number of animals and the variety of animals. I originally had that broke into two separate points, but as you as you go through the facts and statistics, they kept overlapping so much that I thought, well, we'll just combine them and look at them together. There are several verses of Scripture which were in Genesis 7, and last week we read verse 1 down through verse number 16, which is concerning the boarding of the ark. But there are several verses of Scripture within this passage that tell us the number of animals that Noah was instructed to take on the ark. In verse number 2, the Lord instructed Noah, Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. In verse number 3, Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. In verse number 8, it says, Of clean beasts, and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowl, and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. In verse number 9, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. Verse number 14, they and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. In verse 15, and they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And then verse number 16, And they that went in, went in male and female, of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. We can also look back to chapter number 6 at God's original instruction to Noah when he was instructing Noah to build the ark. And in verse 19 and 20 of chapter 6, God instructed Noah, He said, And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark, to keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. So we see here in this passage of Scripture uh, that there are quite a number of verses that were dedicated to letting Noah know how many animals he was to bring on the ark. This was not something that God just mentioned once, but he mentioned it multiple times, instructing Noah to bring these animals on the ark. Here in these verses, we see that Noah was instructed to bring two of every kind of animal that was uh, every kind of animal that was on the earth, uh, one male and one female of each kind. Uh, but then he was instructed to bring seven of every type of bird. Now I must admit this is something that back in Sunday school I didn't realize this. I thought it was two of every kind, seven of the clean ones. But if you look at verse number three of Genesis chapter number seven, uh, verse number three it says, "Of fowls also of the air by sevens." the male and the female, to keep a seed alive upon the face of all the earth. We see that the Lord instructed him to bring in of the fowl of the air by sevens. This doesn't have to do with the clean fowl. This says the fowl. And in another verse, he tells him to bring in every type of, every type of bird. Let me see if I can find that. I didn't um, notate that one again. Let me just back up right here and see if I can find that one to show you. Uh, let's see here. Um, it says here, I don't find it. Verse 14, thank you. And every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. Thank you, Aaron. That's the one I was looking for. Uh, so we see that every bird, seven of every kind of bird was to come uh, onto the ark. 
uh, and then two of all unclean animals. And then we know that also he was supposed to bring seven of every clean animal. Now, I just want to stop right here and insert something that I think is very valuable in looking at the Word of God. The Lord told Noah, I want you to bring two of every unclean and seven of every clean. But the flood happened a long time before Moses wrote Leviticus and Deuteronomy. The flood happened long before Moses even lived, but yet Noah completely understood the ceremonial sacrificial law of God before the flood ever happened. Now if we could roll that back, you remember a few months ago we were looking at Cain and his offering and how many people want to accuse God of killing Cain unfairly because Cain didn't know. No, I believe Cain did know. And we come here to Noah and we see that although we do not have record here in these first seven chapters that God had communicated this, it is very evident that God had communicated that there were clean animals, there were unclean animals, there were animals that could be sacrificed, there were animals that should not uh, be sacrificed. So I think this is a very important point whenever people want to question God didn't necessarily show us that he had communicated this to man, but God had definitely already communicated this to man. Now, whenever we look at the seven animals, there is some debate as to whether this seven refers to seven pairs or seven total animals. Now, the way that it reads here in our King James Bible, it is very clear that it refers to seven animals. Uh, however, uh, many uh, scholars say that in the Hebrew it says seven sevens or something of that nature. Um, and they believe that that could be translated to either mean seven total or it could be translated to mean seven uh, uh, pairs. Uh, and so some feel either way. Uh, myself, I believe that it is seven total animals. And the reason I believe that is because there are three pairs to reproduce and one to be sacrificed. I believe that that is uh, why it was laid out that way and it was seven total animals. Uh, if it were 14 animals, then you'll, you'll, as you'll see in a little bit, there was room on the ark for them, so it would have been all right. But I believe this is just referring to seven clean animals. Three pairs for reproduction and one of each variety for sacrifice after the flood. So when we look at the animal kingdom, uh, both wild and domestic, and we look at all the animals that are out there, uh, we ask the question, how did Noah fit all the animals on the ark? And Kel brought me her book here. We were talking about how many animals there were, and so Kel brought me her book to show y'all. I mean, you just pick this book up, and you just turn the pages, and there's every kind of animal in the world. I mean, it's just full of all variety of animals. And whenever you begin to look at all the animals, you ask yourself, how in the world did Noah fit all those animals on the ark? How in the world did he take all these animals and fit them on that boat? Now, I know that a lot of this y'all have thought through already. A lot of this is rehashed. But I think it does us good to just look at some facts instead of just simply telling someone, well, there was enough room. To be able to give them some facts sometimes helps folks to see that this really could uh, be possible. And I will say, as I've said several times, the ark is a great doorway to sharing the gospel. And boy, I'm telling you what, if you can talk about the ark confidently, you can definitely share the gospel. So whenever you look at animals, scientists estimate, and which something I've noticed about scientists as we've been doing this study, they like big numbers. I don't know if y'all have noticed that about them. Scientists like big numbers, but... 
Scientists estimate that there are 8.7 million total plant and animal species on the earth. 8.7 million, this is what they estimate is on the earth. However, only 1.2 million have been identified as known animal species. Uh, you know, I'm not sure where they get that 8.7 million number from because 1.2 million have been identified as known animal species. But however, that is still a big number, 1.2 million species here on the earth, and that's animal species. Of course, we understand that on the ark, Noah wouldn't have had to take fish, crabs, mollusks, uh, any kind of sea-dwelling creature wouldn't have been on the ark. Uh, so when we, uh, we take and we eliminate any water-dwelling species out of that 1.2 million, and we're still left with over 30,000 species of animals on the earth. 30,000 species of animals on the earth. Now, if Noah took two of each of these species, male and a female, at 60,000 animals, that would have been on the ark, and we've not even made allotment for seven of every kind of bird and seven of every kind of clean animal. So, I mean, we are looking at probably 70,000, 80,000 animals that would have been on the ark with 30,000 species. Now, the ark with three floors and 510 uh, um, long, well, let me go with the Bible measure, 300 cubics long and 50 cubics wide, uh, three floors, you do the math on that, and that comes out to over 130,000 square feet of floor space. So there was a lot of floor space on the ark. But you put 60,000 animals in 130,000 square feet of floor space, and each animal has just over uh, four square feet of space apiece. So if you want to be argumentative, they'd all fit. I mean, it might be tight, but they'd all fit. And, you know, uh, my girls, they've started fooling with rabbits here lately. Uh, actually, they went and got rabbits, and now I fool with rabbits. Uh, that's how that worked out. But, you know, it don't take much room to keep a rabbit. You can keep him in pretty small space, and a lot of animals can be kept. You're thinking of mice, you know. They can be kept in really small areas. So, you know, you take and put the small animals in small areas, give the extra space to the bigger animals. If we want to be hard-headed about it, 60,000 animals would fit in 130,000 square feet. But I wouldn't want to live there for a year. I just don't know about you, but I don't think that's where I'd want to live for a year in amongst all that. And so we're like, well, how does, how does this work? You know, if there's that many animals on earth, how does that work? And it's no wonder that this raises a lot of speculation concerning the reality of Noah's Ark. It's one of the first things a skeptic will ask is, how did he get all the animals on the Ark? How did he get them on there? And they'll begin to be skeptical about it. So the answer to how he got all the animals on the Ark uh, is found, as it always is, in the Word of God. And it's found in the key word, kind. The key word, kind. In verse number 20 of chapter 6, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. In verse 14 of chapter 7, they and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. Now I know that you have probably heard this explained about kinds, but we want to look into it a little deeper this evening. The word kind comes from the Hebrew word men, which means kind, and it is derived from the Hebrew word baramen, or baramen, which is translated created kind. And the study of created kinds, I bet you can't guess what it's called. 
Baraminology is the study of created kinds. Uh, uh, but this is a study that is devoted to the study of discovering how many original kinds of animals would have needed to have existed for us to uh, end up with the amount of species that we have now. So we need, we're trying to discover the original number of kinds of animals needed to result in what we have today. And this study has revealed that by grouping animals according to kinds, Noah would have needed to take far less than 60,000 animals on the ark. For example, horses, donkeys, zebras, and four other species are all part of the equine kind. Camels, llamas, alpacas, and three other species are all part of the camelid kind. There are 36 recognized species within the cat kind, including everything from your cuddly house cat to the mighty king of the jungle. They're all part of the cat family. Uh, there are 107 species within the cattle kind, uh, including sheep, goats, antelope, bison, and domestic cattle. The canine kind consists of 34 species, including the domestic dog, the wolf, the fox, coyote, and many, many others. And we could go on and on and on. But you can see very quickly with these numbers how that when we go from species to kinds, the number goes down really quick. The number comes down really quick. It doesn't take long to realize uh, that the number of 30,000 can get reduced really fast when we notice that these species are all uh, within their kind. However, when you follow this line of reasoning and you begin to tell people about kinds, especially someone who is skeptical, uh, they will argue that everything that we have now could not have originated from two original animals, that there's no way that we could have all the do types of dogs that we have now uh, originating from two dog kind, whether it be wolf, fox, or whatever it is. No way that that could have happened. There's no way we could have all the horses that we have. No way we could have all the cattle that we have from two original kinds. Well, several years ago, uh, actually uh, quite a few years ago, there was a group of uh, researchers in Russia who had exactly this argument. They said, there's no way, no way this could happen. We're, we're going to show that this can't happen. And so they got together and they captured 130 silver foxes. So they got 130 silver foxes. They put the foxes in the pen. They went through and they bred all the foxes. When they got their, their pups, they selected out of all the litters the pups that had the traits they thought would be most desirable, the calmest pups, the ones that seemed to have the most desirable traits, and they bred those pups. And they continued to do this. Each time they would try to find the pups that they thought were most desirable, and they would breed them together. Within a little over 12 generations of breeding, they had spotted, floppy-eared, domestic dogs that had came from silver foxes. These floppy-eared, spotted, cuddly, domestic dogs were purebred silver foxes because that's all that they had bred, but they didn't even look like a silver fox. They were completely different, 100% domesticated, and they abandoned the, the uh, experiment because they were proving themselves wrong instead of proving God wrong and realized that this isn't working, and they went on their way. And so it is definitely very possible that all, that the, all of the species that we have today could have came from two original parents. Matter of fact, most all of the dog breeds that we have originated within the last 500 years. Most all of the dog breeds. Matter of fact, the majority uh, 
have originated over the last 150 years. A, a lot of the specialty breeds that we have originated within the last 150 years, and a lot of breeds have originated within the last 50 years. Uh, the more we learn about breeding and controlled breeding and how to breed in such a way that we can get what we want, dog breeds are just coming out like crazy, but they all came from the same start, all came from the same place, and we can look at this across all species, and it's very probable, as a matter of fact, it makes perfect sense that when God created the world, that inside each kind was all the necessary gene pools to create all these things. As a matter of fact, the gene pools still exist. If the researchers could create domesticated dogs from silver foxes, if we can crossbreed Labradors and poodles and come out with a Labradoodle, I, I mean, all the genes are still there. It's still all works. Now some people bring up the mule as a proof that it doesn't work. They'll say, well here's a donkey which is of the equine type and here's a horse which is of the equine type. You breed a horse and a donkey, you get a mule and a mule can't reproduce. Well that is somewhat true. You see a donkey has 62 chromosomes, horse has 64. Whenever they have a mule he has 63. Whenever he tries to have a, a young one you can't divide 63 evenly, and it, they're unable to reproduce most of the time. However, there have been 60 recorded mules giving birth to more mules. And so, I mean, even that argument, even though science says it shouldn't work, they can reproduce, although it's very rare because of the chromosomes. And so we see that these kinds can reproduce. They can interbreed. They can make new types there at the... Creation Museum, they have a, a, a zorse and a zonkey, and it's a, a half zebra, half horse, and a half zebra, half donkey, and they that's what they look like too. They got striped legs and solid backs and zorse and zonkeys, but all these kinds came, could have came from two original parents. Whenever we divide the animals by kinds rather than species, the study of barmanology reveals that all the animal species can be traced to approximately 1,400 different kinds of animals. Now, boy, I'm telling you what, that's a big drop. We went from 30,000 to 1,400. So we can trace it back to approximately 1,400 different original animal kinds. And the study of barmanology also includes animals that have gone instinct and uh, tried to include that. Um, for in, and some things they, uh, they are generous on. For example, uh, bats. Uh, they list uh, multiple kinds of bats because they have no proof that these bats can uh, interbreed and reproduce. And so they list them as separate kinds, but it's very likely that all the bats came from the same kind as well. They just, because they don't have proof, they leave it alone and count them as kinds. So it's actually possible that it's far less than 1,400. But this is the number they come to. It's 1,400 different animal kinds. Now you add in the calculations of two of each unclean, seven of each clean, and seven of every kind of bird. And in that, they include seven of every kind of bat. And so this is exploding the number, possibly needlessly, but we come up with a figure of just under 7,000 animals that Noah would have needed to fit on the ark. Just under 7,000 animals. When you figure that there were 43,000 square feet of floor space on each floor, Noah could have put all the animals on the first floor, and him and his family enjoyed the other two floors by themselves. They definitely 
all fit. It was plenty of room to spread them out, plenty of room uh, to put all these animals on the ark. Now, 7,000 is still a big number. But it's a whole lot easier to show someone that this is possible when we take the time to explain how that the animals started from the original kinds. Noah would have had approximately 7,000 animals and a lot of these would have been really small, little, little bitty things that didn't require much upkeep at all. This wouldn't have been near as big a task as many people make it seem to be. So we look at this, the variety and the number of animals on the ark. And honestly, I, I don't know if you've seen the picture that I posted earlier. I have a stack of books that, that explain all this. And so I just, I just pulled the nuggets out and shared them with y'all. But there is so much that could be studied about the number and the variety of animals on the ark. The next thing we see on our outline concerning boarding the ark, I actually got ahead of myself last week and kind of covered this one last week, got ahead of myself, but we're going to mention it again just briefly. And that is the miracle and message of the animals boarding the ark. The miracle and message of the animals boarding the ark. Now, like I said, we mentioned this last week. But Noah had preached. Noah had been a testimony. Noah had been a prophet. Noah had warned. There is judgment coming for years and years and years. Here was this testimony of this man that believed God, who was obeying God because judgment was coming, and men, mankind rejected him, rejected him, rejected him, rejected him. Seven days before the flood, as we looked at last week, seven days before the flood, God said, Noah, in seven days the rain's going to begin. It's time to load the ark. Seven days before the flood started, God brought the animals to the ark. From all over the earth, the animals began migrating to the ark. All over. Here they come, two of this kind, two of this kind, two of this kind. I sometimes wonder if there wasn't six or eight of them got there and then they had to draw straws or rock, paper, scissors, shoot, decide who got on the ark. But anyway, um, but here they come, two of every kind, two of every kind. From all over the earth, here come all these animals to the ark. And all the people who have seen Noah's testimony, who have listened to his preaching, who have heard his prophecy, are watching these animals migrate to the ark. There is a very clear message that God is about to do something. There is no denying that God is moving. And yet nobody repented. Nobody repented. I wonder what kind of theories they were given to explain the animals enough to soothe their conscience that they still felt like they didn't need to repent. A meteorite's about to hit the earth and the animals are all running to get away from the meteorite. The moon cycle has changed. There's going to be something happen, whatever they could have come up with but they were making excuses. <coughs> There's a reason why this is happening. And although it was extremely evident that it was happening because of what Noah believed in, because the animals were boarding that boat, they were able to excuse it away. The Bible says that the last days, that the world that we will live in will be as it was in the days of Noah. And I must say, the last five years of my life 
it has been obvious that God is doing something. There's no question that God is doing something. Now, I can't say that I know exactly all that God is doing. I can't say that I know exactly all that is taking place and what all is going to come of this, but I have no doubt that God is at work. And people who do not believe in God are very aware that something is happening. But yet when the people of God say God is at work, God is doing something, this is the hand of God, they find a way to excuse it. They find a way to excuse it away and sear their conscience so that a very obvious thing doesn't affect them. I think of the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man said, I pray that you send, send him back to talk to my brothers. And he said, if they will not believe now, neither will they believe though one be raised from the dead. When people harden their heart, it doesn't matter how obvious God's hand is, they will not be moved. All across the globe, there was a miracle taking place in the front of men and women. Thousands of animals were going to the ark, and yet they found a way. I don't know what way it was, but they found a way to excuse it. You know what breaks my heart, though? Children are simple-minded in a good way. Their mind hasn't been filled with all the excuses of man. And I imagine there were many, many children said, Daddy, maybe Mr. Noah was right. Daddy, the animals are going to the ark. Maybe Mr. Noah was right. And those parents looked at their children and said, No, it's not because of God. And those children died in the flood because of parents who blinded the minds of their children. And I believe we have that happening in our world all the time. Next week, we're going to present the gospel, hopefully to hundreds of children. And there's many of those children who are going to go home who are going to tell their parents about the gospel that they heard, and those parents are going to tell them, no, that preacher was wrong, your Bible teacher was wrong, that's not true. And I really believe those parents will face the judgment of God for blinding the minds of their children. But we see the miracle and message of the animals boarding the ark. After VBS, we'll come back to this and we'll look at some of the problems presented and some solutions that's been uh, presented uh, for life on the ark. How do you live on an ark with 7,000 animals for a year? How does this work? And so a lot of this is just study and research. It's not necessarily found in the Bible, but we'll look at some problems that's been presented, some uh, solutions that's been offered, uh, and then also the thing that I've been wanting to get to this whole lesson is the presence of God on the ark. And hopefully we'll get to that in the next lesson and we'll look at the presence of God on the ark. Hopefully you're enjoying this. I know that a lot of this is things that we already know, but I, I have to tell you, I just love it myself. I love studying it. I love reading it. I love confirming it. I love just settling it in my mind. You know, there's a lot of things in the Bible that we've heard all our life, but whenever it comes right down to explaining it, we're just like, uh, 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 and I've just loved being able to articulate what I believe about the ark. And so I hope that it's been a blessing to you as well. So we'll take just a moment. Does anyone else have a prayer request that they may have thought of uh, while we were going through the lesson? Miss Serena?
pray for Serena's daughter Jordan having some trouble with her pregnancy, going to see a specialist next week. So pray for that. Anyone else? All right. No one else? Brother Greg? I know you just got back from a trip, but I'm going to ask you if you would uh, open us in prayer, and then Brother McGregor, if you would close us in prayer. <clears throat>